from Kings County Distillery Studios in New York City. It's the Hospitality Hangout Podcast with the restaurant guy and the finance guy. We've got our whiskey on the rocks ready. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and I know Jimbo loves 5 o'clock. And we encourage you to share a pour with us at home. Jimmy, we got a great show, so take it away. Nope, super excited for today's episode. Uh, we got a good friend. We got a, we got some good cocktails. I even got a new glass. I found a new glass. It, it just spoke to me. It resonated with me. I don't know. It just, I, I, so I got to go on Amazon and get a glass like that, Jimbo. I'm loving that. I, I like the glass. I got to tell you. I don't know. It, just made, it, made, me feel, it made me feel good. Uh, but let's look. Let's dive into this thing. Uh, I want to welcome uh, all of our listeners more formally uh, to the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Hospitality Ventures share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the finance guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the restaurant guy. And thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. And together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, capital, and point-of-sale systems, Jimmy. That's right. We are incredibly focused on the backbone, the heart, the brain. The heart. The heart. The heart of all restaurants is the point-of-sale system, Jimmy. And I don't think we give enough attention to the point-of-sale system. But, Jimmy, before we get into today's episode, which I am thrilled about because it's going to be awesome – Last night, I'm kicking, I'm turning, I watched Hard Knocks on, uh, you know, on HBO, by the way, it's Jets, I am in heaven, it's Jets Hard Knocks, if you haven't seen it and you're a Jet fan, uh-huh. let me tell you, as far as I'm concerned, we've won the Super Bowl already, but I couldn't sleep, I watched Hard Knocks, and all I'm thinking about is, where do operators go to find best-in-class technology solutions, Jimmy? Where do you go? Wouldn't it be amazing, Jimmy, if you could just go to one place and every technology solution in every vertical and category was there for you with ratings, reviews, suggestions from fellow operators? Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be amazing. Well, Jimmy, it exists. No way. Yes, Jimmy, where, go to boom.store. Boom. You go to boom.store. Jimmy, you can use it. Boom.store. You can, you, can, you, can, you can use it from your phone. You can go on a computer. You can, any way you want. You go to boom.store, and there you will find over 500 of the greatest, latest, most coolest, best-in-class technology innovation within the hospitality space. If you are a restaurant operator, a hotel operator, if you sell food and beverage in anywhere, stadiums, airports, you name it, zoos, zoos, amusement parks, Jimmy, anywhere, you go to Boom.Store and you're going to find your solution. Jimmy, that was my shameless plug. Take it away because we got a CEO on the line and he's got things to do. All right. I got to tell you, Boom.Store, I like it. It sounds very expensive, uh, but I'm bummed. It's free. Free to use. Okay, listen, uh, we are excited to have our guest today. Uh, he is a friend. Mr. Samir uh, Zabena is here with us, the chairman, CEO at Touch Bistro. Jimmy, I don't think we've ever had a chairman on the show. We've had CEOs and presidents, but chairman? I don't think so. Is this a first? You're saying it's a first? I think so. And Jimmy, I can't uh, see your head. You're not in the screen. There, that's better. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We've never had a chairman. Was, we've never had a chairman. I was bobbing and weaving. No, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, today with Samir, because not only um, is he um, working really, I mean, we're going to learn more about Touch Bistro, but one of the finest uh, solutions uh, for full-service restaurants, we're going to learn more uh, about his platform, because at the end of the day, Shati, you hinted and teased um, that the POS is really the heart of the restaurant um, and heart of the food service operation, and the criticality around the point of sale is is just that. you got to have the right one, Jimbo. Yeah, the right one for your business, for your business. And one that is yep, and one that it is essential for your front of house, your back of house, your guest engagement. Um, Wait, Jimmy, really you, you keep moving out of you keep moving out of the picture. You got to center your face. That's I'm, bad. I'm trying, to, I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep you focused. But listen, before we get started, and Samir's been very patient with us um, since the our, since our podcast came out on Tuesdays. Long term listeners, long time listeners of the podcast know we have Trivia Tuesday, never to be confused with Taco Tuesday, but Trivia Tuesday. We're gonna play our game Two Truths and a Not Truth, also known as a lot. Who's the best? Uh, who's the best at this? Shachi knows how this works. Shachi has a pretty impeccable track record of figuring out which of the two truths and which is the, the lot. So here we go. Two truths. Sorry, three facts about our friend Samir. 
two are true, one uh, less so. Fact one, Samir has often been stopped by strangers thinking he's a celebrity. I said to you when he signed on, this is a handsome man. And I say no, that no. with full heterosexual uh, uh, whatevers. Not that there's anything wrong with it. You go any which way you want. Where I know you do you. I'm a libertarian that way. All right, fact two. Samir played NCAA Division One ice hockey. Hmm. Be very clear. Not just hockey. Not just college hockey. D1 ice hockey. Can you, can you, before you go to factory, can you move your camera? You, 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 you keep going out. It's like all I see is your, your ear. Hey, sorry. That's better. I all right. I'll, I'll try to stay safe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fact three. Samir, so by the way, Touch Bistro is based in Canada, Jimmy. So I'm just thinking, like, it's a possibility, you know? Well, they're all possibilities. I mean, there's three choices: two are true and one's not. They're all possible. All right. We're just okay, talking. We're just talking, Jimmy. Don't shame me. Not on the air. Fact three: People who know Samir will suggest that he should be a restaurant owner. So here we go. Fact one. Strangers think he's a celebrity. Fact two, NCAA D1 ice hockey. Fact three, people who know Samir well suggest he should be a restaurant owner. By the way, I think all three, again, I can say all three are true, but Shaq, you think about it. I know you're watching Samir. Try to see if he gave you a little tell. What does a restaurant owner look like? People just walk up to him and be like, you know what? I don't know what you do, but you should own a restaurant. That's just weird. I think it's the personality, it's the gregariousness, it's the good nature. Oh, they get to know him, you mean. And it's like the hospitality. Like, if, if you're going to be in hospitality, you know what you got to be? Hospitable. Hospitable, Jeffy. Hospitable. Oh. Okay, listen. So here we go. Remember, stick around to the end of the show, uh, end of the episode, so we can uh, give you the real story. All right. Let's get into it. Samir, we're going to have you take the lead. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for letting Shats and I banter. Please give us a little introduction about yourself and, of course, about Touch Bistro. Excellent. Super. Well, thank you uh, so much, Chatsy and Jimmy, for hosting me today. Uh, I met both of you when I first joined Touch Bistro and really appreciate the friendship and the partnership that we have built over the last uh, two years. As you know, I joined Touch Bistro just over two years ago as a CEO. I was on the board, actually, before that, for one year before that. And uh, that's where the chairman title uh, actually I came. Love, don't came ever from. lose that title, because yes. that's cool. No, I kept it. Yeah. Nobody yeah. took it away from me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I do plan to keep yeah, it. Yes. Uh, but actually, it's interesting. I got to know the company almost 10 years ago, just shortly after Alex Barotti started it in 2011. Um, but since then, I watched the company grow in North America and beyond continuing to innovate and deliver products and uh, solutions to, to restaurant operators. Today, Touch Bistro is an all-in-one restaurant management system that combines front of the house, back of the house, and guest engagement tools all on one platform that is aimed at the SMB and the mid, and the mid-market. Our vision is to enable customers to delight their guests and grow their businesses with simplicity and efficiency all on one platform. I love it. I love it. You know, listen, we got a lot to talk about because there's a lot going on with your business. I mean, you guys did a, a, a large capital raise. You're, you're in lots and lots and lots of restaurants. Uh, point of sale has been a topic on a lot of people's minds ever since a, a few large point of sale uh, systems uh, went public, et cetera. So it just seems like uh, point of sales all the rage. But before we dig into it, I like to get to know our guests differently. Jimmy doesn't really want to know the guest. I like to dig in. I want to know what makes Samir tick. So tell us how, you know, Jimmy's finance guy, I'm restaurant guy, but I'm also uh, a psychologist on my, in my spare time. How, like, give us a little bit more about your background. I mean, you were a finance guy, much like Jimmy. I mean, I think you were accounting background, if I'm not mistaken. And you were working with some of the largest accounting consulting firms in the world. Ernst Young, PwC, uh, CIT, you went to Fortress. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot there. So let's take us back to 1982. You were 18 years old, thinking about what is your career path going to look like? Tell us. Start there. In 1982? You just got off the hockey ice. You just got off the ice. You're D1. You're going D1. It's unbelievable. Your mom, your dad, everyone's excited. D1 hockey. Tell us, where does it go from there? Yes, Samir, this is Shatsy's Fraser Crane moment where he's listening. I'm not sure he's got the years right, but I'll let you correct Shatsy. Shatsy struggles with numbers. 
struggles. No, but but that's fine. We can take it back to 82. I'll move fast. 1982, I was in high school, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Jimmy, I was close, though. You're going D1 like 86. Yes. I, I was in high school, and, you know, when you're in high school, you think about different career paths. I ultimately did go into finance, studied accounting, um, lived in Boston for that, uh, um, spent 10 years in Boston. But I studied accounting, finance, did become a CPA. Where'd you, and where'd then you go to college? I went to Northeastern undergraduate. Uh-huh. You see what I'm doing, Jimmy? My, yeah, my master's, and I did a graduate at Boston College. Interesting. Northeast. And, you know, do you know hockey big in the Northeast, Jimbo? Hockey is, is, is a big league. Big it's a really big league. Very really big in Boston. Continue, sir. Continue. So, yes, I did. So my early part of my career, I did become a CPA, then went to investment banking, um, worked on a number of capital markets, and many transactions for a number of years before. I decided to become an operator. Um, I will take you through my career that is a little bit more relevant. That started in 2008 when I joined. I always say I came into the fintech world from the fin side versus the tech side. I joined a payments processing company called Monero Solutions here, here in Toronto. Very quickly after joining, and it's a really good company. But quickly, I realized that the SMB customers, whether it's restaurants, retailers, or any verticals, large processors traded SMB customers every day. There wasn't really one reason for any of the customers to stick around with their players. It was all about prices. We all claim to have uptime all the time. We all claim to have the best customer service. We just get all all the rates. It's always rates. Always these rates. So I actually started looking for more products to increase the value per customer, but also improve the stickiness with us. And that's when I started thinking about vertical-focused software solutions. And I would say at the time, not many people were talking about the concept of ISVs. Not many people were talking about the software and, and embedded payments. So I came from the payment side. I wanted to get into the software side, whereas many software companies today start a software, but then start monetizing payments because it's a great opportunity. So I guess I came at it from the different sides. And actually, believe it or not, the first company I spoke with to become our, what's known today, ISV, was Touch Bistro. And um, we signed a deal with Touch Bistro. I went on within Moneris to to um, to sign several other part- partnerships from the software side and different verticals. But I really wanted to own software. You know, just partnering with software was not enough for me. One company that was beginning to make traction in the ownership of software was a large processor in, in the U.S. called Heartland Payments. We had tried to buy Heartland twice. We couldn't get to the price that the, that the founder wanted. Big, big, um, ultimately, Heartland is big. Ultimately, I left Moneris and joined Heartland um, and helped execute on a meaningful strategy to buy a lot of software companies, mainly focused on the education vertical as well as the hospitality. And we actually created a meaningful SaaS business within a very big payments company. I also led a turnaround of the core business of the company. Ultimately, we became attractive to larger payments company, and we were bought by Global Payments, which is also big. I uh, stayed with Global Payments, one of the biggest now. Stayed with Global Payments for one year, left, joined First Data, spent a number of years with First Data. I was accountable for a meaningful part of the merchant business in North America, which which, which included Clover. Um, and stayed with First Data through the acquisition of Fiserv after one year left. Um, that was the beginning of the pandemic. Came back to Canada and joined Touch Bistro one year later. So when you think of the trend, the, my most, the most recent part of my career has been mainly software and integrated payments and actually a lot of overlap with the hospitality. So when I came to Touch Bistro, it wasn't a new business for me. I love how... You're in fintech, but it started with the fin, and then it became the tech. Um, listen, yes. Uh, thank you for for sharing that. I think it does set the stage um, for a number of things that we are excited to talk to you uh, about. Um, so first and foremost, I would say one of the things that branded uh, Shatz and I and our whole branded team we we claim and we pride ourselves on what we call as operator centric. We really want to lean in. Um, and look at things from an operator perspective. Um, we tend to be a B2B investor um, because we actually want to help operators succeed in this business and help them take care of their guests. One of the things I love about Touch Beef Show, 
you guys pride yourself on making it easier to run a restaurant. You understand that a lot of people in the industry, they want to focus on the menu and the food and they want to focus on the guest experience, but they need the tech stack. And I love that one of your guys' kind of missions is to, as Seth Bistro, is to make it easier for operators to run the restaurant. And that dovetails into, I know it's going to be a good podcast when I get to kick things off, not just with breaking news, but real freaking breaking news. And my producer, our producer, must feel sorry for me because usually Shatz gets the breaking news and today I get it. So just today, literally today, Touch Bistro announced not one, but two partnerships to round out their back of house functionality. And ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, you're hearing it here first on the Hangout. Touch Bistro is our partner with Margin Edge, one of our absolutely favorite favorite companies, full disclosure, uh, we're a stakeholder, they're one of our partner companies, uh, thinking they're a fantastic team, but Margin Edge, but it, that would have been enough. But you're also announcing Fresh KDS. And again, for so many people in this industry, sorry, outside the industry, they don't understand the criticality of KDS and Fresh KDS is a tremendous provider. So can you share a little color? Uh, we get to break the news on the Hangout and you get Samir to tell us about your partnership with Margin Edge and, and Fresh KDS. Jimmy, I got to tell you, my <laughs> phone is lighting up. T- Twitter, a.k.a. X, is on fire right now. On fire with that announcement. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Great. Well, Jimmy, thank you. This this was long in the making and has been one of the key theses of why I, when I joined Touch Bistro. I wanted to offer a complete solution to our customers, all driven on one single platform, which includes the back of the house. I'm really pleased with the progress that we're making in this regard and the announcement that you mentioned today with partnerships with uh, Margin Edge and Fresh KDS has been also long in the making. And we selected these two partners for the feature-rich platforms that they actually provide. And just as important for me, the customer-centricity cultures that they have. It really matches how we think about, about our business. We have a few more announcements to make uh, throughout this year, so stay tuned. For more, uh, for more products we do. And when we think about it, um, this is not just another integration. This is totally different. This is a tight partnership where we sell the product, we deploy it, we, we, we provide the right service. So whenever it comes to new products, we have to decide as a company, do we build it ourselves, do we buy, or do we partner? And in cert- certain cases, it's really hard to build what others have actually built. So we need to always find the best of breed companies that we can offer as part of our solutions and make that decision whether we buy or partner. In this case, I'm really excited about these partnerships. And I think the work we have with them has been great. Actually, just to highlight, they're really, really good companies. It feels very quickly as if we are one That's awesome. in, That's in awesome. the way we think. You know, I got to tell you, I remember when I started in the business quite some time ago, and I always joked that the most technology or, or, or the leading technology that a restaurant operator had, and they believed that they were cutting edge, was the point of sale. That was all you had. You had a point of sale system, basically a cash register on steroids, for lack of a better word. It was just transactional to credit card, and that was really all it was, right? It was just... And, um, you know, as a few tech companies started sprouting up, and this is going back, you know, 25 years ago, you know, 22 years ago, my question would always be like um, to, to a tech company that wanted to sell us something. I remember we were looking at a scheduling platform, and this is, again, this is going back quite a few years ago, 20 years ago, something like that. I think hot schedules was, was around, and they were very early. And the question would be like is do you integrate with the point of sale? And this is when the earliest – um, discussions start about integrations. And inevitably, these technology companies that were sprouting up to help solve problems for restaurant operators, none of them integrated with point of sale because the point of sale companies were doing their things and these third party solutions were doing their things. And they really, I don't know if the technologies is, existed for integrations or they just didn't think about it, but integration is absolutely in, incredibly important today. Um, you know, so your deal with Margin Edge and Fresh KDS, I'll look at it as it's, it's a partnership, but it's an, it's an integration. Can you share a little bit more about the idea that operators would love to just have a point of sale and the point of sale do everything, scheduling, inventory, purchasing, clocking in, clocking out. So do you guys at Touch Bistro have a under one roof strategy, one stop shop, you come to touch and I, you, I give it to you all? Yes. Yes, indeed. I think uh, 
for all of the essential tools that customers in our target market would need, we would like to deliver them the solution under one tool. Look, we, I mean, we all know restaurateurs have a lot to juggle already. And from the experience I have seen over the years, you're right, Chelsea. They ask, do you integrate Wait, with say this again, provider? Say it again, You're... You are correct, right, Chassie. Chassie. Jimmy, you see that? I'm Incredibly right. Perfect. I'm done. I got to tell you, broken clock. No, sorry. Uh, right, right twice. I just love when someone says I'm right because I'm never right. <laughs> well, well, there's always a first one, but I think you've been More right breaking before. breaking news, too. Jimmy. More breaking More news. Jackie's right. <laughs> but honestly, for us to deliver, our thesis is to put everything under one platform, deliver the solution to our customers with one single sale, one single contract, one single implementation, and one single phone number to call. And so this is what our strategy has been, and we're building towards that. And I can tell you there isn't products that a customer will need in the SMB and mid-market that we're not going to be offering that all under one single platform. There will be other integrations customers may ask for. We will keep those available. And we will be partner-centric. We want to work with more and more partners. But our first attempt with a customer is to explain to them the benefit of one single platform. And I do believe it just makes things easier for them. And it and quite honestly improves, improves the value that we bring to our customers. And when you talk about integration, especially, I've seen in other cases, you had to rely on third-party companies to update their integration. I mean, it becomes somewhat of a disjointed experience. Yep. I believe, let's take this challenge away from our customers. Make everything seamless to them, and we will worry about what happens at the back with our own partners. Yeah, and I don't want and what Chatsy and Samir just said to really, um, the, the criticality, the operators, and really we lean so heavily into what the operators need and want. They want a seamless and more frictionless solution, and they want to have their POS deliver that type of totality uh, and bundled integrations because it does make their life easier. Um, there's an immediate benefit, there's a medium multiple, and, and that's really, I think, what you guys, uh, that's what these partnerships with uh, Fresh KDS and Margin are showing and the other things you're doing. Listen, in a recent edition of the Hospitality Headline, our weekend read, our weekend newsletter that we've been writing for the last three years, uh, thanks very much to our subscribers there, um, but when I fully embraced the entrepreneurial path uh, myself, a friend and a mentor told me that I think the quality or the attribute that I would value most in people would be loyalty. Um, and 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 I want to be clear, for me, loyalty is not about agreement. Loyalty is about the relationship being one in which people can tell you the truth. It, it can be healthy tension. It can be disagreement. The loyalty is the confidence in one another to speak your truth and, and, and be better for that. You know, in, in my personal life, there's always a catchphrase, happy wife, happy life. I think it's widely adopted. Um, and as it pertains to uh, my work relationships or my, my, my professional life, um, I've been trying to push the phrase contented team thriving dream. I don't know if it's going to catch on like like happy wife, happy life, but contented team, you know, thriving or living the dream. Samir, as a fellow leader, you two have your own ethos as it relates to business building and a strong, loyal team with a very positive and value-added culture. And it's hard on the issue, easy on the people. I, I think that's awesome. I'm going to use it. I will give attribution. Hard on the issue, easy on the people. But for our listeners, can you share more about the great culture you built at Touch Bistro that really was done with intentionality and a great deal of nurturing? Amazing. Thank you so much. I, I do. Uh, one of the foundations, in my opinion, for building a great culture is to have a common purpose and a mission that everybody believes in and has the absolute conviction um, uh, to deliver on. When I came uh, to Touch Pizza as a CEO, I asked the team, uh, what, 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 what was our anthem? And what is the one thing that is non-negotiable in terms of us, us that, that have to deliver on? And that was our customer success. Success does not come easy, and it requires work. And it does not happen overnight. But I can tell you, over the last two years, we have made meaningful traction in the full adoption that customer success is one thing that is non-negotiable for us. Every day we wake up, we come to the office, 
or we go to visit our customers with their success in mind. That makes us more united with one common objective, one common theme. And I do think that to me is the most important part of building a culture. And the three of us would agree, culture is really, really important when you, when you have a company. Um, but you're absolutely correct. Back, back to the ethos, when I started, I put on the screen for, at the time we were in the middle of COVID, so not, people were not in the office, we're much more in the office these days. But I had to put it on the screen and I listed the ethos that I, that I follow because I wanted people to know me as a leader. And the hard on the issue, easy on the people is one that I have mentioned repeatedly. And the reason why I like it, it, it has really stuck with me. It is really meant to remind leaders to focus on the problem rather than jumping into unproductive finger pointing and, and blaming. It's intended to create a friendly environment for people to work in, yet a highly focused environment to achieve the actual results. Sometimes, of course, you have to deal with people's performance. But if you really focus on solving the problem, I think the, the people's performance will almost automatically become better and better. And some of the difficult, difficult discussions become far and wide in between. I really believe this one is very... And that when I say it to people, they get a sense of comfort that this is a leader that's focused on solving problems. And let's create a great environment for people. And I think this is, to me, uh, this is a really important ethos for me. Um, there's, uh, I mean, I think there is another ethos that I really like, if I may uh, mention it. Wife, I like uh, <laughs> <laughs> that one is given. I don't know. I mean, with the number of hours I work here, it's, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a, <laughs> but that's for a different discussion. I think, no, it's all good. Uh, you know, one thing that stuck with me, I like to lead from the front. And I always believe being in the customer's office is, is really important. And I highly encourage our team members because that's what I've been doing since I came here. I, I go visit customers in every city I go to as much as I can. Speak with operators, with staff members, with the managers, learn from them. And the team actually does that right now. We take all this feedback because there's always improvements to be made. Yeah. We listen to them. We come back to the sales team, operations, and products team, and we continue to try to evolve better. So for me, being the example to the team that, yes, you could leave the office and knock on doors, visit restaurateurs, and speak with them, that to me is really important. And I do it for the betterness of the business, but I do, I do think it's, for me it is an enjoyable thing to spend time with restaurant operators I, and chat I, with them I, about I their businesses. That it's one of the most important things because I think uh, Jimmy and I have seen so many folks come to us with, uh, with, with software and technology solutions, literally in search of a problem. And, and I think that the, the, the thing that they miss is they don't speak to operators. They don't speak to owners and operators. They don't want to know what our problems are. And, and if you just listen, that will help your roadmap to success on whatever you're trying to build. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that for sure. And I think you will bear some incredible fruits of getting your team to speak to as many operators uh, anytime you're in any city to speak to as many operators, whether they're current customers um, or, or not, just to, to listen to them. Uh, I just want to shift gears for a second here because Jimmy can go on for hours about what we just talked about. We don't have hours, but we've got nope. a little time. And I want to talk about data because data is something that, uh, Jimmy says data. I say data. That wasn't really the point. Um, the point <laughs> is that there's a lot like restaurants have always captured an incredible amount of data simply because of the nature of the business transactional. I know, uh, you know, it, it, it's payment uh, data. It's 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 purchasing data. It's you know, it's what they eat, what they drink, etc. But as restaurant operators, a, we didn't get into the business to be technologists. We didn't get into the business to be data miners. We got into the business because we love hospitality. We love making people happy with with food and beverage, etc. So, uh, you know, so we collect all this data, but a lot of operators really don't know what to do with the data. Uh, at Touch Bistro, I know you guys, and we've talked about this, have a little bit of, of a different approach. I think a lot of the data that we collect, it, it, it's, it's actionable, but it's, it's late. It's, it's after the fact. It's, it's really, so it's, it's a lot of forecasting. It's, well, last year, this day, I did such and such business, so let me try and do something 
you know, something based on that. But you guys are looking at a little different. You even say that that um, the fact that working uh, with data, you're working with data backwards. I think you, you said something to that effect. I could I, I could have butchered that, but I'll just go along with it, and you know, we'll edit that out if we need to. Um, but by the time we get the data, it's too late. So can you share? What's going on sure. at Touch Bistro that you're going to help operators use their data to be more efficient? Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, look, we do collect an immense amount of data related to sales, food costs, labor, uh, loyalty points. And in each case, I've seen operators and us as a company, we look backwards. We look at historical perspective to understand trends, etc. I challenged the team when I came here to start looking at delivering real-time trends and alerts to operators that wish to react to trends instantly and not necessarily wait until the end of the day or the week or even month to look backwards and find that, for instance, labor cost was too high in relation to revenue or that certain material moved too slow, such as spoilage occurs. As we continue making progress in the back-of-the-house offerings, robustness of the data that combining the front-end and the back end as well as the, the guest engagement becomes incredibly more important and we can deliver it in an easy digestible format. I'm actually excited about AI. A lot of people talk about AI and I think AI is going to help us deliver this timely alert to our customers. They could actually potentially for my discussion with them, automate decision-making based, based on certain criteria. So the, to me, data combining it together, that's why one of the, one of the side effects, but really important part of the all-in-one solution is for us to be able to gather the data from the end-to-end -end and make it into digestible, easy format for our customers. I also know, going back to the nature of the operators, they're also busy. And I remember when I first came here, one of our customers here in Toronto told me that he doesn't have an office in the restaurant, so don't expect him to open spreadsheets and understand profitability. That's not what they want to do. And we shouldn't expect them to do that. So don't make, let's not assume that they have that capability or even the interest for that. So we need to make it digestible. And, and in some cases, make the decision for them based on criteria that they give us. And they're, and they're open to that. No, I think, first of all, I think that's great. And, and, and twofold. One is, uh, Shats, uh, Samir said data. Um, what so I he agrees with me. <laughs> data, 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 uh, data. So he agrees with me. I don't me. even know what Second, I say anymore. Second, second, I, I love, Samir, your embracement of AI. And I think anyone that is spending their time on shunning it and being negative on it and criticizing it and worrying about Terminator-esque type experiences, technology rarely, and I've never seen it go backwards. What I mean, what I mean by that is once it's out of the bottle, you're not going to put it back in the bottle. Yes, there'll be a version 2.0, maybe better than 1.0, and companies will evolve and whatnot, but you don't take this type of tech and bury it. It's, you're going to have to embrace it. I think that's what you're trying to do. Um, you know, Earlier in the episode in our show, we had some breaking news. I got to do it. Now I get to also give a little inside baseball, and any any long-term listener of the uh, of the podcast knows that that's the sport I always like to reference. But I get a little inside baseball from you, my friend. Um, every year, Touch Bistro releases an annual state of the restaurants report, um, and again, it's I, I appreciate expensive, Jimmy. Well, people actually, I appreciate people who put out thought leadership and content and share it as broadly as you guys do. The State of the Restaurants Report, in the beginning of the year you do it, and I believe there's some intriguing um, early data sets or points um, that you have the green light to share um, from some of these early insights. First of all, um, since last year, a new trend that has emerged, as we were just talking about, is the adoption of AI and how 89% of operators in your survey reported using some form of AI um, in their chat box, sorry, in their in their restaurant uh, with assistance such as Alexa or AI chatbots like ChatGPT being the top, uh, top of the choice. What can you share uh, with us uh, about, you know, A, the AI and the adoption, 89%. For those of you playing the home game, that's basically an A minus, uh, a very strong B plus. That's a, that's a big percentage. But what can you share about AI? What can you share maybe about your state of the restaurant report? Sure, excellent. Um, so yes, indeed, uh, the industry trend report will be published early in the new year. And we look forward to sharing with you all of the key, uh, all of the insights and industry trends that we have learned directly from operators. 
Um, as in many verticals, you know, the use of digital assistants uh, have, have, have actually begun to work at a pace that we have never seen before. And digital assistants, the, 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 the usage of Alexa is a little bit different than AI, but I think I'm more keen to, to show the adoption of AI a lot more differently than what, what Alexa's and the, and the voice-activated act, support. But in general, what you will see in this report, uh, that the pace at which customers are utilizing or at the minimum uh, thinking and investing into AI technologies has never seen before. And this is an industry that probably historically had not invested as much in technologies. When you think about it five or six years ago compared to other verticals, I believe this industry that you know we're seeing a, a vast adoption of technologies and we're still at the beginning of probably five to 10 year trend of incredible innovation and, and, uh, and technology adoption. And I feel us as, as operators in it, and as and and as partners to restaurateurs, we we are in a, in an invaluable place to be helping them with that. So so this this report indeed comes out every year. Uh, we will provide you insights on actually the cost side. You will see that in general, people reported forty one percent increase in the food supply of the cost. I mean, this is hard. You know, this is so there will be some trends that we'll look at and say, Jesus, this is really getting too expensive for the operators. But also there's some really promising trends related to the usage of AI and other technologies that I believe will make them a lot more efficient. Awesome. I know the team internally spends a lot of time on this report and they're excited to share it with you early in the year. That is great and we can't wait to get it. And and to the extent we, are, we look forward to boosting it, boasting about it and sharing it with our community as well. And thank you and the team for doing it. Listen, um, while Shatz and I uh, started a podcast, this podcast, because we love talking to people, clearly Shatz loves to talk more than I do. Uh, but, uh, but, um, we, all, we, we learned along the way that our guests sometimes have questions for us. So let's kick off talking back. Uh, where we offer our guests the opportunity to ask us a question or two. As we say, nothing's off the table. Samir, the microphone is yours. Awesome. Great. Well, let me, let me start. I really admire what you both have built in a branded. Uh, and I feel fortunate that when I first came into this, formally into this industry, I got, I got to know both of you. You've become a thought leader, voice of the industry. And just two people that accomplish a lot, but just as importantly for me, have a lot of fun doing it. Like, I really enjoy coming to visit you and spend time with you. So um, the two questions I have, you spend hours on the investment side meeting with entrepreneurs. As I mentioned earlier, I believe hospitality is going to, have, is going to witness a lot, of, uh, a lot of innovations and a significant amount of technology adoption for the next several years. You see a lot of entrepreneurs and um, and you see a lot of innovation. What would be the one that you think is not adopted today? It's not something we talk about a lot right now, but you see could be could make a meaningful impact on our industry. Great question. Great and it question. goes it goes to the restaurant guy first. Yeah, no, I, think. I, I think yeah. I, I, you know, it's for me. It's 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 what I see, and I, I you know I I think. That labor continues to plague uh, the industry. It's always been an issue. It's not a new issue. Labor is always going up, and it's always trying to find a more efficient way to run your business. And labor, um, you know, if you look at a P&L and, and a restaurant's prime cost, obviously labor is, uh, is one of the, the, the biggest uh, parts of that. Um, so I think that the way I look at things right now, I think we are in the earliest, earliest, earliest innings of, of robotics and automation tests. We were like, I mean, really early. I mean, Jimmy, I mean, we're not even the first inning. We're like, we're like, you know, we're still like in uh, whatever. But I think automation and robotics are, is something that everyone talks a lot about. And I don't know where it's going to go. And I don't know what area you're going to see it affect the most. But I think it's the earliest, earliest innings of automation robotics. Robotics continue to get better and better and better. But it's going to take a lot of time. It's very expensive. Very, very complicated. Uh, Jimmy and I have seen many, many companies over the years that say that they could make a salad using a robot. And today, yes, a robot can make a salad. However, it will take a really long time <laughs> to make the salad. So it's just, it, it just, it's not there yet. 
but you know, I see it. It's it's going to be there now. I don't. You know, it, it seems to me that it's quite some time away, but we're seeing great inputs. So I would think that I think you're just going to see more and more robotics and automation. And I just want to emphasize, it's robotics. I, just the robotics aspect, I think, is going to become more and more and more. But it is going to take some time. I do agree with you. I mean, I think if you if you look at the trending you see at any of the big conferences like the National Restaurant Associations, the presence of robotics is beginning to increase. Yes. And in the last one, the last one, like actually, it's the first time for me at least I've seen robots. People are making really demos for this one. Yeah. And yes, the technology continues to improve, and I believe that will be something that will come more. Yeah, so I think that that's something we're going to see uh, And it's exciting. It's an exciting journey. I think software, if, you know, we've seen a lot of software over the years continue to to come into our industry. Uh, you know, every everything, you know, the point of sales are getting better and all of the different integrations are getting better. And we're seeing so much um, uh, efficiencies being created by, by that. Just even simple things like scheduling is, you know, used to be a big monumental task for an operator with a spreadsheet and, and you know, how to think about it. And today it's so automated where the, 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 the staff is being able to communicate, you know, with a phone and mark up which days they're available, not available. And so I just think automation, when I think automation again, it's just robotics. Jimmy, what do you say? Yeah, I love your answer, Shatsy, and clearly automation and addressing labor issues is a criticality. I'm going to go in a different direction and kind of in the theme of what Samir was talking about earlier on the AI side. I think we'll call it dynamic pricing, but I'm going to think that's a horrible name and we got to call it revenue management. I think this is an industry where uniquely the guests right now seem to be somewhat reluctant to allow operators the flexibility and the agility to have um, uh, revenue management to both create value for the guest if the guest is willing to eat and dine and experience at certain times of day, as well as you know optimize their limited seating and their kitchen capacity at busier times. You know, you sit on an airplane, the chance of you paying the same. Uh, amount um, as another person is remote. You sit. You go to a hotel. You go to a Broadway show. There is such revenue management, um, not just utilization in those other industries, but it, but customer and guest acceptance of them. In in our industry, it seems to be reluctant. So I think companies like juice or pricing. Um, I think companies like uh, the tables and their, re their revenue management around reservations. I named just two, but companies that help operators have the ability to manage their revenue streams in an efficient, fair, and to be clear, transparent way, I think that's going to be adopted actually very quickly. It's already happening. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where companies like Tuck Bistro... You're, yeah. you're going to today, Jimmy. Yeah, today, I'm talking baby. future, you know. But anyway, look, Jimmy, usually your answer's better than mine, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say, I don't think it was. I think that, no, I think that's hey, hey, better. I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to embarrass you and ask Samir because right now Samir's thinking, let's see, I could focus such bistro on bringing revenue management skills, services, expertise. I had a better answer. Let's move along to the food service feud, okay, Jimmy? Because you're having a bad day. You're just having a bad day. So let's go. Food service feud, baby. We ask over 100,000 people on LinkedIn. Every Tuesday, we do a poll on LinkedIn. I cannot tell you how many people respond to our poll. It's honestly, at one point, I think the LinkedIn Microsoft server even crashed because we had so many people answering this question. Jimmy, Samir, are you ready to play the food service feud? Get your buzzers ready. Here we, I'm ready. Here we go. Yes. What was the first pizza brand? Oh, and I'm going to give you the, the four choice answers, by the way, so you don't have to answer yet. I'm going to give you the four. What was the okay. first pizza brand to send a delicious pizza pie to space? Was it Little Caesars? Pizza, pizza. Was it Domino's? <laughs> Was it Papa John's or was it Pizza Hut? Samir, you, you go. Domino's. Dom and Jimmy, it was not Domino's. Jimmy, you can steal and make your family incredibly proud and redeem yourself from that horrific answer about talking back and talking. <laughs> <laughs> I will redeem I'm you. Going. 
I, I, I'm hoping it was uh, through Mr. Bezos and his uh, and, and and his project, and I'm hoping Shaquille O'Neal and Papa John's. I'm going Papa John's. Oh, Jimmy, you had a chance. Eh, I'm sorry, Jimbo. Eh? We got another lose right. there. It was the hut. It was Pizza Hut. It was the, the hut. I don't know. The Pizza Hut was the first one that went up in space. Don't ask me. But anyway, Jimmy, let's go to two truths and a, and a lie because I am All feeling right. like I got the answer. All right, so neither Samai, Samir and I oh, do well, uh, in, the, uh, in the field. But here we go. Listen, um, remember at the top of the episode, we shared three facts about our friend Samir. Two were true. One was false. Fact one, Samir's ultimate stop by strangers thinking he's a celebrity. Fact two, Samir played NCAA D1 hockey. And fact three, people who know Samir think he should be a restaurant owner. Shats. You got a very good record, impeccable record. Say, it, Go for it's it. It's challenging because that third one's a little weird, but I, I could see people stopping Samir and think he's a celebrity. The guy is he's an Adonis. He's gorgeous. Well, the guy should be a celebrity. He is a celebrity. He is a celebrity. Yes. A celebrity in the industry. So I think that is true. Did he play D1 hockey? I got to be honest with you. That's where I I... I I don't know. I mean, the whole Boston thing, it sounds like, you know, it sounds... He went to D1 schools. He went to... He's in Boston. He's he's up in Canada. It's like people who know Samir suggested he should be a restaurant owner. I mean, I... All right, I'll I'll, I'll say play D1 hockey. I'll go. go. All right, Samir, which one is the falsity? And tell tell us about the truths. Unfortunately, is that playing D1 hockey is a is a false one. Uh, you, know, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I was just hoping. I was hoping. I was hoping. No, I know. I know. I wish I did. I wish I did. I the story is. Did. All right. So, I was uh, born and raised in. I, I thought you were. So you were. You were never. You never were an operator. You never had a piece of a restaurant. Owned the restaurant. You never did. No. Never did. All right. Well, we got a we got a restaurant for you here in New York City. So tell us about the tell us about the, oh, tell us about tell us about the celebrity. Okay, that's the truth. So, yes, that is the truth. Uh, Twenty years ago, or so, I went to. Um, it started this one. Like this has been going on for a while. It's really looking like one single celebrity, which is Sean Connery, um, and this happened over the last like several like many many oh, years James. at different stages of my life where. The first time it happened, I went to a black tie event and this person comes to me that worked with me. He said, how many people have told you in the past that you look like Sean Connery? Like you like sort of the James Bond kind of thing. I said, first time, like this is the first time it happened. And this one kept going on and on. Even So that was 20 years ago and it happened repeatedly enough where it became to me like, if somebody asked me, do you know which celebrity you look like? I, I always answer Sean Connery because it's just become such... Even like last year. So this is almost 20 years later. I love it. I was sitting in a Delta lounge in Atlanta. And this person comes and was like, did somebody tell you you look like Sean Connery? It's like, for the last 20 years. Anyways. <laughs> Bond. James Bond. Yes. I, by the way, yes. I said, wait for Shatsy. He's going to do the imitation. All right, Shatsy. Shake your nuts, Jimmy. Shake your nuts, Jimmy. Hey, there you go. Are we done today? Or maybe no, no, one no, more Jimmy, segment. We got one, one more, more segment. segment. All right. We got one more. It's a brand new quick fire. It is arguably the, the greatest segment in old podcast history. And you get it live at the Hospitality Hangout. Here we go. I'm going to ask some five lightning round questions. Don't think too long. Don't think too hard. Are you ready, sir? No. Yes. All right. Here we go. Classic peanut butter sandwich. Crust or no crust? Crust. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? North of Brooklyn Pizza. One of our customers. What is your favorite food city in the world? New York City. Where, where is your favorite place to travel? Hawaii. Not Maui. Actually, Maui. Maui, but yes. it's sad what's happening there. Yes. But sympathies, sympathies it it is Maui such a beautiful... Yeah, shout, yes. out, shout out to, uh, yeah. to Maui. Shout out to... Yes. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a classic board game, Operation. You remember Operation? Classic yes. board game. Operation. Jimmy's got Butterfingers. Who do you have better odds of beating? Jimmy Butterfingers Frischling or Shatsy Steady's a rock? They call you know they call me. You know they call me back in camp. They call me Doctor Shats. <laughs> I am like a surgeon. I'm like a surgeon. But you. But hey, just Jimmy, show me your hand. Yeah. 
Now show them the hand that you operate with. That's the hand he operates with. <laughs> um, Jimmy, I was so glad that you got the old place. It's an interrupt, but I operate with this hand. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Samir? Jimmy Ryan, classic game of opera. I have, I have steady hands. I'm going to say both of oh, you. Oh, really? Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Samir. Doctor Is that a... I respect that it's absolutely an option. I will tell you uh, where I think I would have an advantage over Sheds uh, might be his, uh, sometimes he's challenged to stay committed or focused for the period of, uh, there you go, she's off. <laughs> Is it lunchtime? Am I going for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, but I'll, but I appreciate that uh, you said you beat us both, and maybe uh, uh, maybe we'll have, well maybe we'll play that game one time. I'd totally rather play yes, this against, against you and Jets than the game of uh, pickleball. I think I I got myself roped into against our friend uh, a, a tool suited uh, from oh, yes. KU. I, I'm roped into that. I'm told he's quite the racket person, so I'm in a lot of trouble. Listen, Samir, we want to thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast and for sharing all your great insights in advance for the report uh, that Touch Beast will be releasing at the, in the new year. Uh, and really love what you're doing. Love the partnerships with our friends and partners uh, at Margin Edge and, of course, Fresh KDS. Uh, but really, uh, Touch Beast is on a strong run, and I love the, the mantra that you guys want to make things easier for restaurants and operators, which is awesome. If you want to learn more about Touch Beast Show, you can cut, get in touch with their team either at uh, touchbeastshow.com uh, backslash branded um, and or um, you can contact uh, the podcast team at podcast at brandedstrategic.com and we'd be happy to make the introduction. We can't uh, speak or think or recommend more highly uh, what Samir and the team at Touch Bistro are doing for operators uh, and excited about seeing their uh, continued success. To our listeners, uh, we always want to thank you for tuning in. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And as I say, we are, we feel truly, um, I'll say it, blessed and fortunate. 60,000 listeners that our subscribers just continue to, uh, to climb. Um, I appreciate that people say it's, uh, they're getting insight, they're getting intel, they're getting some ideas, and, it's, and we're having a good time doing it. And Samir, as you highlighted earlier, we really do love this industry. We love what we get to do every day, the people we get to work with. Uh, so we are having a good time. So to our friend Samir, with great appreciation, thank you for joining us on The Hangout. Uh, this is Jimmy Frishing, your finance guy, signing off, and I'm going to pat some back. Uh, to my boy Shatsy to close us out. And thank you, Jimmy. This is Shatsy, restaurant guy, closing her out. Just last thing real quick, Jimmy, because we got to run. But I got to tell you, if you don't already subscribe to our weekly newsletter, it's a Saturday morning read. It comes out about 6 a.m. I got to tell you, hospitalityheadline.com. Hospitalityheadline.com. I promise you, it will give you everything you need to know about our industry in a short 45-minute, 45-minute read. 45 but you can take it in stages on Saturday. You can read it all through the day into Sunday. And by Sunday night, by Sunday night, you're done with the headline. And all kidding aside, it's a great read. I highly recommend hospitalityheadline.com. Samir, thank you so much for everything you do. Again, touchbeastro.com backslash branded. Check it out. If you're looking for a search for a point of sale system, I highly recommend anyone looking for point of sale in your RFP. You need to look at Touch Bistro as at least on option because they are doing some amazing things over there. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you.